Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 116. On today's episode, we are talking with Dr. Anand Patel about men's sexual health, a topic which is often overlooked and not spoken about nearly enough until it's too late. Anand qualified in 2000 at King's College London. He is a GP partner in a London GP practice after attending his GP training in Mid-Sussex. Anand was one of the first doctors in the UK to gain the fellowship of the European Committee of Sexual Medicine in 2012, the only accreditation in the field recognised in Europe and sees patients with sexual problems alongside his general practice. Hi Anand, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you very much for having me. Very nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate you giving us your time on the show today. So um, for people that haven't come across you before um, and um, want to find out a little bit more, bit more about your background and your practicing um, sexual health functional specialist, uh, can you give us a bit of background on Anand and um, your profession? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a GP um, by training um, and I've been a GP for about 15 years now. Um, it's a great job and I work in um, inner city London. So it's a very varied, um, rather deprived area of London. And then as a specialist interest, I do men's, um, uh, well, men's health really, um, but specialise right. in men's sexual function. So I work for a clinic on Harley Street called the Centre for Men's Health. Um, and so we see men for you know, a variety of reasons sometimes they've lost their focus their sort of mojo sometimes they've lost sexual interest so their libido's dropped um, sometimes they've got rectile problems some people have um, you know they just want a, a checkup you know they want to see yeah. uh, you know, that they, they've got to their 40s or 50s they work you know a busy life like most people do and certainly most yeah. dads do um, so it just means that they want to work out perhaps why they're just getting a bit more tired why they're not sleeping so well um, why they might be not getting the gains in the gym that they might be expecting given the work they're putting in and you know, that can be for sort of lots of reasons so we get to spend a lot of time in that clinic um, trying to work out the reasons behind that yeah fantastic what I will say though is before we go any further is that anything that's shared on this podcast today is not medical advice it's just a conversation between us and Dr. Anand and it's um, just for informational purposes only so I just want to Get that disclaimer out of the way before we carry on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's an interesting topic, I think, because um, for me personally, I don't currently suffer with any of these issues, so I'm aware. Um, but I am aware of lots of people that have these these issues. And so you obviously see a lot of people that come through your practice uh, and you mentioned there about them being dads, parents who are got to a certain, you know, milestone in their life, whether that be 40s, whether that be 50s. So what kind of common things do you see for people that come come to you in terms of their symptoms? So 
as I think I've mentioned it briefly before, but if we should kind of go through, uh, they would often say I'm tired. Yeah. And it's not just the normal tired of having interrupted night's sleep or, yeah. um, you know, having to take kids to school and all that you know, hard work, etc. It just, they find that they're even more bone tired than that. They find right. that they have their difficulty sleeping at night sometimes. They yeah. find that their focus and appetite for work may have decreased. Okay. So that, that, you know, that drive that, that often people have, that would just be, be less. And, and sometimes they've even reported that their workplace have said, are you all right? Is something going right. on? Because they're just off the top of their game. But they haven't. Yeah. They're, they're trying just as hard or even harder than they normally mm-hmm. would. Um, it's just that hunger seems to have just like the flame has just been turned down a little bit. They can't work yeah. out why. Um, they also have sort of sometimes they can be a bit more snappy and irritable. Um, I'm yeah. not quite sure why that's going on. Um, sometimes their partner has sent them in going, look, yeah. you're, a ha- you're a handful to deal with. Can you just go and get checked out in case there's something else right. going on that might be causing that um, beyond, you know, being really busy and, and, and you know, having, having kids, et cetera, um, if, if that's what's going on. Um, uh, otherwise, people are just quite blunt, actually, with us, which is great working in our environment because yeah. we have to ask very sort of um, clear questions. So they come yeah. in saying, look, my erections don't work or they've started to become a problem. And it's the start yeah. that's really helpful. If we can see someone in the first few months of their erections being problematic, you know, right. well, that's that's the best time for us to see them. Because it's when you got to the point, because most men don't talk about their problems with other no. men. Um, and no. and they, you know, their, their partner may recognize that these problems are happening but often you develop other ways of dealing with it. So for example, someone might just do a lot of foreplay and get their partner yeah. to orgasm first, and then they might try penetration because actually if it doesn't work out for very long, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So they, they, yeah. they develop secondary behaviors to their primary problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, erectile problems we get and um, people who've got low libido. So they just don't have that, 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 that you know, va va they used to do that. You know, people yeah. walk past that they used to, would normally have a think about or a glance at, nothing happens. Yeah. They get no sort of stirring in their pants or anything like that. And when right. they try and have sex, it's, it's more difficult to have sex. Um, they find that they lose their nighttime erections, morning time erections. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. just, and, that, and those erections are really super important because lots of men think, hey, hey, that's me being turned on all night. I'm a real man. Yeah. And actually it's not, it's just housekeeping for your penis. Because right. basically if you don't flood your penis full of oxygenated blood um, on a regular basis, your body thinks, well, what's this useless organ for? So oh, actually right. it tells the cells to commit cell program, cell suicide, apoptosis. Right. So, okay. it, it, if you, so if you haven't used your penis for a period of time, that can be, for example, um, you know, you've had an injury or you're depressed or um, you've been mm-hmm. stressed at work or your partner's left you, you know, for, or you know, you've got lots of kids, you've got kids that are keeping you up yeah. all the time. Actually, there's been no opportunity. If you haven't had any sort of intercourse or sex or even um, uh, masturbation for several months, you know, it can be that your erections are then more difficult to restart again. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can get, and, and after a longer period of time, you can get actual scarring and, and fibrosis of the penis. Wow. And, and not many men want a sort of scarred, shorter penis. No, absolutely not. I think, um, yeah, that, that's that's a fascinating insight, actually. Um, but but the other, but I just wanted to go kind of go back a little bit to what you said um, in the beginning of that part was was about um, you know men coming to you because that either it's been pointed out to them that there's a problem or they feel like it's a problem. Yeah. How many men do you think actually don't even realize that? Because a lot of it's going to be knowing yourself. And I think the challenge with us men is that we are very good at just kind of putting up with stuff and, and maybe just even accepting that that's the way life is now because you've got to, you know, 40 or 50. But so, 
So what would you say, um, well, there's, I guess there's two questions in there, really. What would you say people could do to kind of recognize that in the first place, that there potentially might be a problem and do something about it? Um, and what would you say to people about actually kind of reflecting and knowing yourself, I guess? I think that's it's a really helpful question. I think the listeners would really be aided by that. I think one of the key things is recognizing what's your version of normal. Yeah, because absolutely, you know, most people don't do a scoring card of how tired no. they are on a normal basis. You know, on an average, I'm a three out of ten, but actually today I feel seven. Yeah, most people yeah. haven't actually written that down. But actually, if you do do a diary of what your symptoms are, you're know, saying, "Oh, I'm starting to feel a bit tired. Is this normal for me?" And you go, "Well, actually, it tends to happen after I've had a big night out. It tends to happen actually if the kids have been crying at night. It tends to happen um, uh, if, if I don't know, we've had a fight. I don't know, whatever." Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that, that's the times that I feel rubbish the next day. But if I go right. on holiday, I actually, all of that goes away and okay. I probably feel fine. That suggests that your life is the thing that's causing you um, <laughs> yeah. more of those issues. If, however, you, then, you go on holiday and actually that isn't better, yeah. you know, you're still bone tired, you still can't focus, and actually you're, you're having far more free time, you're having far better sleep, or, or perhaps that's not even better, then that would be a, a, a way of thinking, all right, maybe something's up. Also, mm-hmm. something is persistent because you know, erections go up and down and they're a real barometer of men's health. If you're knackered, yeah. the penis is not necessarily going to be you know, up ferreting around for you. Mm. And you know, if you're anxious, if you're stressed, depressed, all of these things, your brain is not going to want you to get an erection because actually fathering another child is not going to be that helpful for you. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a stressful situation, then your body's quite yeah. good at recognizing that. So don't force it either. But if, for example, for right. three to six months, you've had problems with your erections, for three to six months, you've had a persistent tiredness or a persistent um, uh, loss of focus or you know, a persistent low mood, persistent hot flushes, things like that, then I would definitely think about um, getting yourself checked out. And one of the things you can do is um, the Sexual Advice Association, have um, it's, a, it's a web app, uh, so www.sexualadviceassociation.co.uk, I think it is, um, or .org. If you just Google it, it'll come up. Um, and they have yeah. an app which, if you, um, which allows you or your partner to put in your symptoms. Okay. And it's got a whole series of validated questionnaires. So if your problem is erectile problems or you think you might have a low testosterone, you basically just put in your um, issues into their questionnaire and they will pull up what the most likely um, help leaflets yeah. are for that condition. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'm not trying to turn everyone into Dr. Google, but actually that can be a really <laughs> yeah. helpful way of getting a start or a feel of what might be the problem. Mm. And obviously it, I appreciate a lot of your listeners will not necessarily have problems with erectile problems. No. But for, 40% of men aged 40 have erectile problems. Wow. So that's a reasonable number. And when you get to 70, it's 70%. And obviously wow. when you're younger, more of those issues will be psychological or stress related. Yeah. As you get older, more of those will be perhaps due to having um, uh, blood vessel problems. Because mm-hmm. if you're, you think of your penis basically as, as, a, as a balloon, it's a, it's a large yeah. blood vessel. Uh, well, yeah. it varies in size, but let's go with large blood vessel. Um, so your heart and your blood vessels have to be working properly for you to get an erection. But yeah. so do your nerves. So if there's any right. problem with your blood vessels or nerves, both of which are damaged by diabetes, for example, okay. your erections aren't going to be as successful. Yeah. So, for example, the, the, the um, penile blood vessels are only one to two millimeters wide. Your ones right. to your heart are three to four millimeters wide. Okay. So you are going to s- display signs of erectile problems before, in general, you would have a heart attack. So it can That's be a really early marker of heart disease. So we're really keen to get men who've got intermittent erectile problems. So it's not every time. So you think, oh, no, I was just tired. Or, oh, no, I was just had a couple of too many drinks or whatever. Yeah. To actually get checked out. 
You know, we want you to have some blood tests checking yeah. your cholesterol, your sugar levels. We want to check your blood count. We want to check all the little markers that might potentially be causing yeah. cardiovascular disease. And if your da- mum or dad um, had a heart attack or stroke under the age of 60, that's a strong family history. So I right. really recommend paying attention to that. If you're a smoker, if you're overweight, and I know people go, oh, BMI is not a great measure of, of, yeah. of weight. I, and I get that. However, if you're, I mean, a third of London men are, are too obese to see their own genitals. Wow. So basically, you're too fat to see your own willy, and you yeah. actually, and I don't mean erect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, soft. Um, so probably yeah. some action needs to be taken because that excess weight or that fat around your middle is the stuff that will turn testosterone into estrogen and therefore make right. it less useful to you. But it will also yeah. create lots of inflammatory um, chemicals in your body. Um, so it increases your risk of cancers. So um, obesity is associated with 22 different cancers. Wow. So that's pretty, you know, it's pretty darn significant. And an yeah. obese man who can't see his willy is five times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes, three times yeah. more likely to develop colon cancer, and much right. more likely to develop high blood pressure, erectile problems, or lower urinary tract symptoms like um, you know, difficulty p- passing urine. Mm. So it, it's, a yeah. big, it's a big deal. And all of them, and you know, obesity also causes minor damage, which worsens mm. over time to your little blood vessels. And yeah. that's important for your you know, blood vessels that feed your nerves, but also the blood vessels that feed your penis. So I, yeah. I would really recommend getting yourself uh, checked out. Yeah, I, I think what you said there was, was, a, was a great example of why we need to be doing maintenance. And, you know, I use this analogy that I would argue that 90% of people probably spend more time on maintenance of their car a year than they do themselves. Um, and I think we are in this, um, the way that we've kind of, I don't know, medicine has, has developed, it, it, and you may correct me on this, but it, it very much, um, the approach from my perspective is it's very much um, kind of fixing and curing as opposed to, you know, being proactive and having things like that checked out. Because that, just that one thing that you said there about, you know, obviously the, the blood vessel size between the penis and your heart. And if you start to get, you know, erectile problems and things like that, it could, you know, be a, a larger indicator of cardiovascular d- disease. I mean, that in itself is a huge, should be a huge wake up call um, to people listening to this. Because, you know, even if, let's say for argument's sake, you're not worried about your your erection or anything like that. You know, if you have those problems, just think that it could be a, a precursor to something a lot more serious. So. I think that's a very, very um, good point. But one thing that I wanted to ask you is that when you initially get um, people come to see you, in terms of where you start, because obviously with the people that I see, the first place that I start is diet. Mm. Diet for me is key without any exercise. And so when when someone comes to you with, with with a function or a dysfunction, where do you start to um, look at what could be causing it? Obviously, you've you've said about the lifestyle issues around stress um, and things like that and, and depression. But what other areas do you start to kind of analyze before you kind of go down any kind of pharmaceutical route or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're quite right. The NHS, taking both your points, and the NHS was really set up to be a curative service. It was like right. if you got an illness, then they were there to treat it after the war. However, what we've realized is you know, a, lot of our, a lot more of us, and, and men particularly, are living a, a higher proportion of our, life, our lives um, in ill health. 
Yeah. So it, it's, it's all well and good living till 75 or 79. 79 is the average life expectancy in the UK. But actually, right. if, if you're spending a third of that in poor health, that's mm. not really great. And so I think that's the, the, the lesson that, that the NHS has learned. And so what people who talk about health are talking more about is this maintenance going, actually, mm. you know, even if you start at 50, that's still important. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can have started earlier, that's, you know, that's going to mean that the furring up of your arteries is going to be slower and may mm. not cause you problems until you're much older or indeed might not cause you problems at all. Mm. And so I, I, and, and women tend to be better about going to see their doctor. I mean, yeah. the gap of life expectancy between men and women is, is about going to be about 10 years in 2030. Wow. So, I mean, wow. currently it's about four years. So it's 79 years for, for men and, and 83 for women. And, and, it, right. and it also deprivation plays a role in that, as does education, because there's a nine year greater life expectancy for men in Chelsea versus men in Sunderland. Wow. Yeah, and the two key factors between that is deprivation and education. So what we yeah. really need to do is really looking at, all right, what are these key factors that are potentially harming and killing our men earlier yeah um and some of those are mental health and because three quarters of all people who suicide are men right and the thousand men over the age of 50 kill themselves every year so it's you know it's really important that we get in there you know, and, yeah. and not see it as a weakness yeah masculinity is all about manning up about you know um you know, have some balls mate you know it's, it's all about yeah, exactly making sure that you are seen to be as strong and as manly as possible and yeah, yeah and, and don't deal with emotions or you don't deal with ill health or whatever that's right and also if you're uh, driven to care for other people that you, know, you caring for other people will often mean you neglect yourself yeah, um, yeah. And, and often men close their social circle you know men tend to be very they, you know they've a huge number of bromances and friendships yeah. between men they're so strong particularly you know yeah. in the teenage years when you go to you know, if you go to university amongst your sports groups at gyms, yeah. you know, they're so good at going out for a pint or a meal or doing something together, but they have to be doing something. It has to be experiential. You can't just sit yeah. together and have a chat. You have to be having a pint. You have to go to a football match. You have to do something together, which is very masculine. Whereas yeah. you know, you'd expect the feminine version would be going for a chat, you know, having mm. a cup of tea with someone and discussing your emotions, which most men are like, what the hell? That's not really what I do. <laughs> but actually it's so yeah. important because if you lose those social connections, because you know you get kids and therefore your, your focus instead of all your friends becomes your workplace and your family. And yeah. that, that sort of uh, means that when you're older, you've got far fewer social connections. These social connections mm. are so important at keeping your mental health and physical health sort of in, in check. Yeah, I think that is very key. And I think the world in which we live in now, where we, we use the terminology that we're connected we're actually disconnected as, as a race, I, I believe. Um, I totally uh, agree. We, we, we're becoming entrenched by these screens that are in front of our faces uh, too often now. And I, and I think the other point you made there about, you know, ladies will obviously go around, have a cup of tea and chat about their emotions. Men don't. And, you know, part I appreciate of that's generalised. Don't get me wrong. Before I get told off by people, I'm, I am very happy to go around for a cup of tea and have a chat. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a relative, I'm, I'm pretty good with my emotions. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think it's very important for me when I'm very stressed to actually talk about them. But mm. I, I do so only under, you know, it's taken me a while to get to that place. Yeah. And normally I would personally hold back and go, look, I'm all fine. It's all good. And as a doctor, yeah. you're not meant to show any distress on your side because no. I'm meant to put up with you know, 40 people telling me their horror stories every day. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 I, you know, and, and that actually over time, you're kind of like, actually, I have to have some outlet for saying I'm a bit miserable because doctors have the highest alcoholism and suicide rate. Wow. So actually that, that, that yeah. pressure has to go somewhere. 
So it's about being, and I, and I, so it's really, you know, it's, it's important for doctors. It's important also, it's important for everyone to have an outlet yeah. to discuss what's going on in your head, but also talking about your physical health. And I think you talked on before, before we get to medicine, before we get to tablets, before we get to yeah. that, what can we do? You know, what do I talk about in clinic? I talk about, oh, as you said, lifestyle, you know, what's going on right. in your life? What job do you do? What pressures does that put on you? What's your family set up? What's your family history? You know, what, what illnesses have passed down? In generations, yeah. perhaps like diabetes or heart disease, you know, are, are there any physical problems? Like you've had an injury when you were younger. Did you have mumps when you were a kid? You know, did, if, if you had mm. it, for example, in your teenage years and, and older than mumps, you're more likely to get infertility. So, you know, asking a whole right. series of questions about your, pro, you know, your prostate, whether you smoke or not, you know, I mean, tobacco is associated with you know, such a high proportion of lung cancer, but it also damages blood vessels. So, you know, it's, right. it's, it's super important to know about that. Alcohol, you know, people, men often de-stress using alcohol. Uh, and, and that yeah. of, often helps you to put on weight. It also drops down your testosterone. Mm-hmm. So it's um, red meats, for example. Um, red, you know, red and processed meats cause 21% of all colon cancers. Yeah. Uh, but processed meats are given a class one rating, which means we know they cause cancer. Wow. Red meat causes, is it given a class 2A rating, which means it probably almost certainly causes cancer. So knowing about your lifestyle is hugely important because that lifestyle is going to be the thing that I'm going to most support you in in terms of suggesting if we get out of our, when we get out of our conversation, I will be talking to you about what the sort of foods you might be eating. I'll be talking to you about, and I appreciate you might not want to hear it and you might decide this is not me and that's entirely your choice, but this is the stuff I'm going to recommend to you. I'm going to say, you know, if you, you know, you need to be looking at a diet, which is rich in veggies and grains with minimal wheat, you know, minimal meat and sweets. You know, yeah. minimal white carbs and beige food is bad for you yeah so if it's beige try and cut it out i know it's not easy i mean and i'm literally the worst for this i will have like <laughs> a cheese and coleslaw sandwich for actually every single yeah. day i have a terrible yeah. diet but i would not recommend my diet to anyone and also i'm trying no. to make differences now i've got a personal trainer which i'm lucky to be able to afford don't get you wrong i recognize yeah, this is absolutely. not for everyone but there are lots no. of apps for example the you know, seven app online um, which basically that's seven minutes for you to do some physical exercise because if you exercise yeah. enough so that you can't sing as so i just you know that can even be a fast walk or a little cycle yeah. or a little jog um for 20 minutes that improves your sugar control for the next 16 hours Resistance yeah, and, and, exercise. Go on. yeah no i was going to say i mean i am particularly um fascinated um and that might be the wrong word actually around you know, the, the sugar in diets and the blood sugar. I mean, I'm not diabetic, but I actually have a continual blood glucose monitor in my arm at the moment because I am very interested in what certain foods do to our blood sugar levels and things like that. And I think, you know, that's a whole separate podcast yep. on its own, to be honest. And in my opinion, it's a pandemic that nobody's talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, there are major, is, sorry, just know this, is, that's a really important point. I mean, uh, carbohydrate rich diets are absolutely dreadful for our health. Everyone was going yeah. after fat initially, but actually mm. the, you know, there are lots of good quality fats. There are virtually yeah. no good quality processed sugars. Um, no. And it's present in so much of the food that we eat. And, and, you know, we decide, okay, well, I won't have, I know, um, uh, I won't have sweets, but I will have white bread. Yeah. And that white bread gets just transformed straight into sugar. And, you know, I am the king of chips and pizza and white bread and I'm <laughs> awful. And I recognize yeah. that, but I, I, I want to make these steps and I would encourage you know, your listeners, which I'm sure you do all the time in this podcast. Um, to, to, if, if you are able to make these small changes and make them real habits in your life, rather than thinking they're a chore, it's like about, you know, how much people, some people look after their cars or motorbikes. 
or their, exactly. their, their, their train sets or, I don't know, mm. their games workshop um, uh, mm. figurines or whatever it is that you have yeah. a passion for. If you spent that much time looking after your own body, you know, who knows what it could do? And the most likely thing is it's not going to wear out on you earlier. And, no. and that's a big thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, to, to come back to your um, other point um, around diet, and it is, it's like anything in life, as far as I'm concerned, when you have to change something, none of us like change and change is difficult in, and it's awkward. And we are in a society where, um, and the listeners will get bored of me saying this, where we're in our Amazon economy. So we want, we click and we want the result now. Um, and it doesn't work like that with health. And it, you need to take the approach, in my opinion, that it's it's a thing that you integrate into your daily lives, you know, and you, you're, you're aware of. Because, you know, I think we we just want that result. And I think sometimes people will just go to their doctor or go to see a GP because they've got a problem and they want to fix. But they don't necessarily want to take the responsibility for that fix. Um and so, you know, that's that's why when it comes to diet and nutrition, people struggle, I think, because, you know, like I said, because of the result and because they have to take the time to education. And I truly believe that, you know, education in this scenario is key for, for people to understand and educate themselves about the basics of nutrition. And it's it's easy for me to say because I've been focusing on this for eight years. But prior to that, I was definitely not healthy. Um but it takes time to understand it. Um, but if you if you commit to actually putting a little bit of time and effort into it each each day or each week or each month, gradually over time, you know, consistency and and traction will will get you will get you there. Um, but it's that, it's, so I, quite, it's that delayed gratification, isn't it? Yeah, uh, which which is yeah. not our brains aren't developed for they're not evolved for delayed gratification. They're evolved no. for look food. Food could be lost any time. Security and safety could be lost at any time. So you've got to yeah. look for it. And, and that's what our desire to kind of wolf everything down in one go uh, and, and yeah. completely clear our plates comes from. Because, you know, it, it, we, we could, we potentially before you'd have to hunt. That was the bit of meat or whatever food you had then. And then it would mm. run out and you wouldn't know when your next meal was coming from. So our, our, we have to kind of overcome our wiring. And, and yeah. teach you, But you can teach yourself new tricks. They know what you were describing Definitely. there about making something a sort of habitual thing that you do every day. Then basically it fits inside your daily routine. And for people to Absolutely. have a routine is so important. I mean, yeah. you know, retiring is thought to be one of the, is, is the 10th top most stressful thing you can do. Because everyone thinks yeah. oh, retiring would be brilliant. But actually because you lose structure and routine, yeah. it takes you out of those good habits that you did have in some people. I mean, in other habits, you, know, you see some retired people and they're running marathons. You know, you're going, yeah. oh, no, you, know you just started doing that at 60. And that's really yeah. impressive. But the majority of people, as you say, don't necessarily want to change because it's really difficult and because you mm. don't see the benefits for so long. But, you know, my gym right. my PT was telling me, oh, look, um, you know, if you start exercising now, hopefully we'll see some changes in six to eight weeks. I'm like, six to eight weeks? Yeah, I exactly. can't wait that long. I literally feel like I'm dying every time you try and get me to do a burpee. <laughs> I mean, my arms, I, I've got really short arms. So I'm like a T-Rex doing a press-up. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm sweating. Every, and, you know, and, and I've got a gut and it's, it, you know, as, as a lot of you know, men in their 40s do, but, yeah. I rec- but I'm trying to sort of be an example because I, I, I've mm-hmm. done all this you know, learning now. And the, the issue is we don't get taught about very much about um, diet and particularly not right. men's health, as, particularly in sexual function in, in university. 
Um, when yeah. you go to medical school, you kind of have to learn it afterwards. So I've been mm. sort of increasing my knowledge. And, you know, in, in, the, in 2012, I did my sort of exams and, um, and became a member of the European Committee on Sexual Function. So that's been really right. helpful in terms of working in my head. And, and, over, and the, then the last eight years has been about sort of getting my knowledge up to, to, to a level where I feel really confident that the, the information I'm giving is valid and has evidence yeah. behind it. And it's not yeah. just, I guess. And I appreciate a lot of stuff still we don't know. You know no. we, there's loads of stuff. And that's what medicine has an issue with sometimes is those unexplained symptoms that we just don't yeah. know. They probably won't kill you, but we don't know what they are. and We don't know why they're caused. I'm not saying mm. there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you've got them, but I, there's no blood test that will find it. And that's sometimes yeah. what some of our patients get frustrated by. Uh, you know, they yeah. feel knackered. And I'm like, but I've done every test I know of. And I've, you know, yeah. we've talked about every single issue. Um, there are some changes that you're willing to make. There's some changes that you aren't. And yeah. I don't know if, if you're not able to, which is absolutely fine, because obviously that's your choice. Mm. I don't know if this is going to help you or not. So, you know, no. 99% of the time, we, you know, we have very, you know, both in general practice and in, in Harley Street, we have very you know, satisfied patients with, with the information help we try to give. But inevitably, there will always be some people that, and it's not their fault. It may be I've not given the information in a clear enough manner, or I've not explained yeah. it properly, or if I, I just don't have the right turn of phrase, and they maybe need to see one of my colleagues or, or even a different specialist. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not about saying that I'm the only person that can give you this information. You know, sometimes it's about recognizing, okay, I have this problem, which no one seems to have been able to diagnose as yet, but I am, I'm responsible for my health and my well-being, as you described earlier. We, yeah. I personally have to take responsibility for the fact I am a fat, middle-aged Asian man, which means that my yeah. arteries are therefore likely to be narrower. So I'm more likely to have a heart attack. I am also more likely to get diabetes. So I need to pay more attention to my risk factors. Yeah. And I think if if you have, if you have your own, if your listeners have their own specific risk factors, or for example, they smoke or drink more than perhaps they should, then that again is something you can think about. Or can I do something about that? Is there a small change I can make? And that's the thing. It is making those, is making those small changes. And it is also about not overcomplicating it. Because I think as humans, we love to overcomplicate whatever symptoms we have and come up with this big elaborate reason. But also the solutions, everyone gets like a a Haynes manual out of like how many different ways (laughs) they could fix this. And you're going, well, you, you, you just need to do the basic. And because the other thing is it's weight loss. I recognize weight loss is really difficult. Don't you know, I've been Mm -hmm. on a diet since I was 12 years old. So I also, (laughs) I recognize completely what, what, and and it's not just exercise more and eat less. Everyone just goes, that's, that, that's the cure. For a lot of people, yeah. actually, though, that will work. Don't get me wrong. That will work for a lot of people. But actually, if you are very stressed, you're likely to eat differently. If you're not sleeping well, you're likely to eat differently. Because mm. you want to get that sort of high you get from, from sugar or from unprocessed yeah. carbohydrates that allow you to keep functioning. The same if you're knackered, from, you know, from stressed, etc. You may get real pleasure. Some people have got a real pleasure link. And other people don't recognize when they're full. And no. So again, there's lots of reasons no. why you might, be, you might have a thyroid problem. Uh, but yeah, there are some people that just have an overactive knife and fork like I do. And I just need to eat less and have smaller <laughs> portions and do some more exercise yeah. and think about what I'm eating. Yeah, absolutely. So when we when we think about and look at specific symptoms that, that, that guys come to you with, so for example, low, testo- low testosterone, yeah. what are the general symptoms that that men could look out for that would indicate that you know the testosterone is low and what simple things could we do immediately before we even kind of book appointments to come and see you guys yeah 
So absolutely good, good question. I mean, so the t- there are two main ones really, and it's reduced sex drive. So that would be libido. So there's just interest um, in yeah. uh, as, as sex going, going on around you. I'm not, I'm not suggesting, um, I'm not saying looking at pornography because actually porn is, is an artificial um, sort of trigger of your, of your sexuality and it's, it's designed right. to be hyper arousing. So I, if, if yeah. possible, I mean, I would recommend to people that you know, they're welcome not to listen to me, not to watch porn at all. Because yeah. actually, it it rewires you um, and alters right. the way that you recognise sexual stimulus, and it also alters okay. your expectations. They did a whole study on teens in the, in America, and they had one group that watched pornography regularly and one that didn't. And the ones that did watch pornography regularly um, found their partners less attractive, had less right. relationship satisfaction, and enjoyed their sex less. Right. So you're thinking actually, if you're wiring yourself like that at 15, 16, 17, 18, yeah. if you've been using, you know, what, you know, high speed internet pornography for 20 years, yeah. what's your reaction to a person going to be? Absolutely. Who doesn't also, yeah. also often doesn't look like, I mean, you know, you, you might have someone that looks like a, a, a porn video, but the, the majority of people don't. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, I think it's part, just partly recognizing that removing that environment from you may actually be one of the key things that I offer. It's saying okay. take that usage out, and it may take a while for you to go towards recognizing your own sexual cues and what your arousal yep. system is. Because if you've been using pornography since you're 15, how do you know what interests you sexually? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and, and so actually going back to right, so what, what is it that turns me on? And it might you might find stopping pornography for three to six months. Oh look, my erections are starting to come back. Yeah. Oh look, I'm yeah. starting to look at people because I'm not masturbating three times a day to pornography. <laughs> yeah. And not that yeah. anything's wrong with masturbating. I absolutely, I, I think it's a very good thing. Um, there's an association that they did on a, on a study that if you um, ejaculate more than 20 times a, week, a month, not week, sorry, 20 times a month, um, you are less likely to have prostate cancer. Wow. Now that's an association, yeah. so it's not definitive. Yeah. But, but there, yeah. those people that were more sexually active and had that number of ejaculations per month had fewer instances of prostate cancer. Whether it's because you're um, washing out, um, you're basically cleaning your pipes basically yeah and you're not letting sort of uh, fluid sit there for longer that can become yeah. um, more problematic that's one reason so i would be uh, if, if you are not sexually active and you want your penises to your penis to work then i would recommend you know getting an erection you don't have to masturbate with it but once it's there it's quite nice um if it, yeah. a couple of times a week just to make sure that that's sort of firing nicely so yeah those are the key okay. things reduce sexual desire and erectile problems so if either okay. of those things are there, then it's more likely you might have a testosterone problem. It's not the only cause, right. but it's, it's, it's something that I'd be interested in. There are other things, for example, not having your nighttime or morning time erections, um, okay. losing your muscle mass or not being able to get any gains at the gym despite really upping your game, um, okay. feeling tired all the time, losing focus at work, obesity, um, falling asleep really easily. So, and, and that can okay. lead you to sleep apnea, where we get a little bit heavy, and the fat around our our sort of gut, uh, sort of our throat sort of slightly collapses our airway when we sleep. So it just yeah. means you wake up multiple times. You don't necessarily know you've woken up because it's it, it's, it's so disruptive that some people are falling asleep over their dinner. Some people fall asleep when driving. You know, other people mm-hmm. feel fall asleep when in their meetings. Uh, you know, some people even fall asleep during sex, which is not ideal. No. Um, your partner tends to be pretty unimpressed if that's the case. Yeah, I can imagine. So I would definitely get checked out. You know, do I have a sleep problem? And there's something called yep. the Epworth Sleepiness Scale, which you can download a PDF um, online. And that's just something you can fill in yourself and you can take to your GP if that's a right. reasonable score. Uh, okay. The other things are things like depression, um, you know, yep. a, a change in weight. So some, you know, you were very always very trim 
Um, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've put on a significant amount of weight in a relatively short period of time. Okay. Um, being irritable, hot flushes and sweats. And occasionally if, it's, if your testosterone is very low, you might get loss of body or beard hair. Right. Okay. But that's not common. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that that's about, that's, that's mostly the things that patients with low testosterone would come and see me. Okay. So, so then if we, if we look at diet then yeah. in relation to testosterone, what kind of foods could contribute to the reduction in testosterone, but equally what type of foods could, could actually increase that production? So it's for, I, I'm not fully, I, I don't have enough information to be able to tell you X food will be better for you in terms yeah. of exactly stimulating testosterone. However, mm-hmm. we do know that good fats are important. So cholesterol is actually right. important because cholesterol is a precursor of testosterone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you need to go and eat as much fish and chips as you no. can. I'm saying no. look at the good stuff that you might get from linseeds or um, you know, other good sources, olive oil, etc., is important to have in your diet. Yeah. Uh, so that's start off point. Having a, a, a relatively low, a reasonable, safe BMI, um, so a body to waist ratio is really important. So height to waist ratio is really, really important. Right. Sorry, I've got that wrong again. Height to weight ratio. Sorry, forgive me. It's height yeah, to weight right. ratio. Um, the other thing is your body um, waist measurement. So if your waist measurement is over 102 centimeters, you've got significantly higher risk of heart disease, testosterone deficiency, diabetes. So it's keeping those things in mind. Yeah. So if, if you are able to keep your weight down and controlled, yeah. I'm not suggesting being very low body weight because actually marathon yeah. runners and ultra runners tend to have a very low testosterone because they switch off their, um, their, their, their brain hormones because the body thinks it's stressed all the time because you're running all these right. miles. So the body thinks I'm just, fl- I'm just running away from things all the time. Right. So there's a saber-toothed tiger at my heels constantly. So there's, this is not a very good time for me to try and father a child. Right. So, so you're uh, to, in that fight or flight mode. You're in that. You're in the. You're in the fight, flight mode. Exactly. So basically, yeah. the the idea is to try and eat a, a, a very balanced diet. As I said, high in veggies and grains, minimal meat and sweets. You're looking at lots of pulses, um, to get sort of right. a lot more of your protein, etc. From again, it's a balanced, balanced, healthy diet, which the majority of us just don't have. No, exactly. And I think that you know comes back to again what I said previously, and it's education and understanding what that is. Um, and I always like to use the analogy that I got from somebody else actually about looking at your plate and cutting it up into three and making sure that in the veggie side, you've got rainbow colors. Um, and then you've got, you know, you've got a a, a nice portion of proteins that could be fish, it could be beans and all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side, you've got a small amount of carbohydrates, um, you know, things like um quinoa things like sweet potato things like that so that for me is a good i'd always steer people towards that as a starting point for getting a nutrient what i class as a nutrient dense diet absolutely i, I completely agree so I think, I think that having a good diet and eating a good diet you know as, as the, any time num- any number of times a day, depending on what your you know, practices of how you eat. Some yeah. people eat sort of little and often and other people, you know, they like to graze and other people like their proper three meals a day. I mean, what's yeah. particularly useful is not going to bed with a full stomach because that's less right. likely, that's more likely to be processed into fat. And it's also more likely to disturb your sleep and give you heartburn. So if you can empty your stomach, yeah. that means um, eating four hours before you go to bed. Um, that will also help. So look, because lots of men in, in the middle of life get heartburn and that's often because they're eating later at night. Um, and they're getting a bit more of a belly and that's again squeezing 
um, and it's pushing um, sort of acid back up in, into their gullets and throats. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, we were talking a little bit earlier around erectile dysfunction and actually what that could potentially mean, yeah. you know, more seriously, like cardiovascular health and things like that. So obviously the symptom of this is, you know, you're not getting an erection. But are there any other symptoms that, that men could be aware of that could potentially be leading towards a dysfunction? Yeah, I mean, so men, it's not so, not so there's both, there's starting an erection and then there's keeping mm-hmm. it. Right. So for example, either of those two might become a problem. So it might be difficult for you to get aroused in the first place. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's, you know, and, and you're, you still may be very attracted to your partner. Although I have to say in this situation, sometimes you're not. Right. So you know, the, the penis is very good at recognizing in some ways what you're attracted to and what you're not. And I don't mean to upset anyone, but actually, <laughs> you know, if relationships last 40, 50 years, sometimes your attraction changes. Yeah. And the quality of that attraction can change. Because I think some people are expecting their sexuality to be just the same as it was in the first three months as right. it is in the rest yep. of their life. But your first three months is an almost artificial sexuality. It's kind That's of like right, an evolutionary yeah. driven passion and hunger for the other person. Yeah. which then starts to decline because it's dopamine-based. So it declines over time. And hopefully it's replaced by the oxytocin that you get after you've had sex, which bonds you with trust. Yeah. So if the trust is high enough, you won't break up generally. However, right, if, okay. your, if your dopamine is... I, I don't know if you... I, you may not remember, but I mean, I've certainly had relationships where I've got to about three to six months in and, and there's kind of been like a reality check. It's been like a sort of point yeah. where I've gone, oh God, they leave the toilet seat up or they pop in bed or whatever it is that they do, which I never noticed before. And yeah. that's because your dopamine has, has fallen below a, a certain level. So the, so the blinkers have fallen off. So the blinkers have fallen yeah. off. And, and so, you know, there are also your, your friends have been in relationships where you're looking at them going, why are you with that person? You've yeah. always said yeah. you think they're awful and, and they're thinking <laughs> and they won't, they won't listen to you. And that's the sort of madness of passion. And that's the, yeah. because dopamine puts blinkers up and because it really wants you to get pregnant. It really wants right. you to put, get together to father children. So that mm. sex life that you have there is to get you pregnant and then to hopefully to manage the, the pregnancy and be around for your, for your partner whilst they're pregnant yeah. and then get them over the first year. Right. And obviously okay. with a screaming baby, you're very less likely to be, <laughs> sex may not be so interesting as in you may no. not be so up for it because you're knackered. I mean, other people obviously are, and it does vary. So I'm not suggesting people don't want to have sex. Of course, you know, they may well do. Um, but being aware that actually your sex pattern may be very different before birth, you know, birth to after birth. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you, your, your kids start growing up and your attraction to the other person is not necessarily based on lust. It's now no. based on a communality about it's your team. It's, it's you against the kids in some ways. Yeah. You know, you against work. It's you against, you know, it's the two of you have bonded together so strongly. And so sex becomes often more about love and about yeah. um, and attachment. Um, and so sometimes love and attachment isn't as strong as getting you an erection as pure passion and porn. Right. Okay. So just being aware that as you get older, you know, don't tell yourself off if that's the case. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you need to get another partner. I'm just saying, don't <laughs> tell yourself off if you find that it's yeah. not necessarily as easy as it was to get to. Just recognize that you're a bit of an arger now. You used to be a microwave and now you're an arger and you can get turned on and it just takes longer. And remember also, when yeah. you were younger, you were sending sexy texts. Well, you weren't doing actually. Yeah. When I was 20 years ago, didn't have a turn on my phone. Um, but you, you know, you, people uh, these days, they, you know, they send each other texts. They might send nude, nude images. They, they might, yeah, they, they might be they're mm. flirting all day. So by the time you actually yeah. see each other, you're seriously turned on. 
So actually, yeah. your erection is based on several hours of being sexually aroused, whereas now you're yeah. expecting to be aroused after you've had a really busy day at work and you've fed the kids and you've put them to bed and you've had like half an hour with each other where you've been irritated because you've both had to watch Shit's Creek and you both hate it. Yes. It's the only thing you can agree on or whatever it is that's going on. I actually quite like Shit's Creek just for, uh, for <laughs> don't pick on that program. But you, know, you compromise, yeah. don't you? And it's not necessarily what either mm. of you necessarily want. And then you try no. and get to bed and you're meant to have sex. And you're like, well, that's just not realistic. Yeah, you need exactly. to be making time for each other. You need to have date night. And if you spend time with each other and recognize each other as sexual human beings who are separate to their role of mother mm -hmm. or father or carer yeah. or fixer, and you actually think, oh, do you know what? We are also those people that got together at 23 or at 30. We are these sexy, interesting people. We just need yeah. to find that way back again. So yeah, it's about arousal. So arousal can take a bit of time, as clearly as my conversations have gone tangent, so I apologise. Um, so <laughs> arousal is one thing, and then they're sustaining the erection. So some people find it's no problem getting the erection. It's just they can't keep it whilst they're having sex, and therefore it, it basically um, softens. And either they can keep right. going with a soft willy, or it softens so much that they can't. Now, for some people, they're not bothered about that because actually their outer course game is really strong. You know, they're all about the clitoris and they're all about, you know, or, or, or you know, if, 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 if they're gay dads listening, they're about playing with it, you know, whatever, whatever bits that fit. Um, yeah. They're all about that, making sure their partner is sexually satisfied. So then penetration isn't necessarily what it, what it you know, the end game. And I think uh, right. uh, men are taught that penetration is everything. Whereas actually yeah. um, uh, women don't have particularly, women don't have particularly many, um, uh, sort of all the pleasure for women generally is on the surface. Because mm -hmm. all their sexual um, uh, organs are on the surface, and so if you're penetrating, uh, in Lynn Enright's book *Vagina: A Reeducation*, uh, one person talks about um, penetrative sex being like a tampon being repeatedly plunged in and out of me. So just <laughs> so, and, and that was fascinating for me because I thought, oh, of course, women should enjoy penetrative sex. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. they? And you're like, oh, actually, if your sexual stimulation isn't actually via vaginal penetration, then perhaps we need to not be fixating so much on penetration. Yeah. And if that's yeah, the that's case, if you're not point. fixated so much on penetration, then actually how hard your penis is, isn't necessarily such a problem. But I also recognize yeah. it's a symbol of masculinity. It's something that you've been very keen on. And actually you and your partner might really enjoy penetrative sex. So I'm not trying to tell you your sex yeah. life is wrong. I'm just saying it's not everything. And you know, it, it, there are lots of, there's lots of other things on the uh, buffet table of sex <laughs> that don't involve um, you sticking your penis in something. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting though because it's what, what the way that you've described it there I think is very um, valuable from the perspective of recognizing that it is this evolution, it is this journey, and to and to still be sending you know the sexy texts and and, and just kind of focusing completely on your partner like you did in your twenties, thirties, or whenever you did it then to expect to still do the same when you've got screaming kids, you've had a rubbish day at work and all the rest of it is, un, you know, is unrealistic. But I think all too often in a relationship, we think that it should be like that. It should be how it was when we were first starting dating. But, you know, it's recognizing that, you know, you, you, you're at a different stage in your life. So it doesn't necessarily mean to say that that can't happen. It just happens in a different way. Yeah. I mean, if you, for example, um, you're used to having sex every day, you could still get, you know, have sex potentially every day, but it, it won't necessarily be a drawn out all nighter. It might be a quickie mm. in the 
airing cupboard when the kids have finally, <laughs> you know, just been, yeah. you know, they've finally gone off to school and you've got 10 minutes before you go to work. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. It's just different. No. You just yeah. have to work out different ways of fitting your sex life into what is your family life. Now, obviously, Definitely. if you are a single person, then that's probably slightly different. If you're a single mm. person, you've come out of a relationship because lots of relationships, I mean, uh, there's, a, you know, there's a relatively high rate of divorce or relationship breakup that happens as well. Yeah. And people are on their second or third major relationship in their lives. So if you are looking for that and you have erectile problems, that can be more problematic because there may be, yeah. you may have the expectation to be ready for everything and, and your partner may have the expectation that you will be ready and be able to get an erection and that will not be a sign of their attractiveness. You know, yeah. they, they want to be found attractive, I'm sure, and they want that validated by a hard penis. Yeah. And if you can't give Absolutely. them that, in some people, they will see that as a failing of you and you may see it as a failing of you. Not everyone, and that has to be made really clear. Actually, you know, a lot of people sex isn't their primary motivator no no but it, but it, and know, i think it, all, it's you know, people yeah that but that's also another thing to to kind of just recognize really that again as you what depending on the age and you, the certain stage that you're at in your life absolutely it might not be just all about the sex it's more about the connection and the intimate intimacy um and you know sex is not just the barometer that it used to be perhaps so I think, yeah, I think that's another important point that you raise there. So in terms of, you know, other sexual health conditions, anything else that us men should or could be looking out for? Uh, so pre- premature ejaculation is actually one of the most common sexual dysfunctions in the UK. It's just that people okay. don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, no one, when you're younger, you are so hyper aroused, it's so easily aroused that often people are just like on a trigger. You know, that they yeah. just... I mean, there's one called anti-portat ejaculation, which is you don't even get to penetrate and you, and you ejaculate. Right. Um, and yeah. pen, um, premature ejaculation is, is ejaculating within the first 60 seconds of penetration. Now, that's the technical term. But for some people, for example, if they ejaculate within the first five minutes, that's, that's too quick for them. Other people I've had coming in saying, oh, do you know what? Um, I, 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 I'm a premature ejaculator. And I, well, what do you mean? Tell me exactly how long it takes from, from insertion to ejaculation. Oh, about an hour. And I'm like, an hour? Um, because yeah. most people don't recognize that the average in the UK, because there's a brilliant study, I think done by Waldinger, um, that it was 5.4 minutes from penetration to ejaculation. Wow. The average okay. in the UK, so the median, not the average, but the median in the UK right. is that. So, you know, it, some people are, are watching a lot of pornography and not necessarily recognizing that that sex is stunt sex and being filmed over several hours. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and, 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 and they're, off, they're often taking um, the Viagra or the other support medication to keep that erection there, um, and they may have yeah. fluffers to keep them, them erect. So, right. it's not like you have all of that support around you, well, no. unless you're <laughs> lucky or have an unusual relationship. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I mean that that's interesting and something that I hadn't actually considered. So, what would you say are five key actions that men can take, you know, or, or be aware of to improve their sexual health? Um, I was thinking about this because you very sent, kindly sent me that through earlier, and I would just because um, I don't want to sound like I've already know this on the top of my head. <laughs> I've actually prepared this, um, so I think I've got ten. If that's all right. Um, but they, yeah, they're all that's just, absolutely they're all, fine. Um, so the first would be exercise regularly, losing your abdominal fat, gaining yeah. some muscle and therefore bone density. If you do some physical exercise, yeah. um, and particularly this is resistance exercise where you're working larger muscles like doing squats or doing sort of chin-ups or pull-ups, right. 
you are going to be exercising yeah. large muscle groups, which increases your, your release of anabolic steroids, your own personal anabolic steroids, and will yeah. enhance your testosterone naturally. Okay. Um, and also strengthens your bones. So that's a key thing to be doing every day if you can. Um, and yeah. not overdoing it. We're not, I'm not expecting you to work at 100% of your exercise tolerance. I mean, actually, if you yeah. can just do some for 10 to 15 minutes each day, that's plenty. Yeah. Uh, I'd eat a diet that's um, veggie and grains rich with minimal meat and sweets. Thirdly, try and sleep well because it improves your diet and eating, improves your general yep. well-being, improves your memory because you code memory at night um, okay. and it promotes your recovery. Yep. Four, I talk about managing your stress. So that's mindfulness, considering your work-life balance, yep. um, trying to get some time with your partner. Five, promoting your social connections because men lose them as they get older and social isolation yep. is a big issue for mental well-being. Six, reduce your alcohol, partly because it helps you sleep as well I and mean, also yeah. alcohol is a depressant um and yes. uh, lots yeah. of middle-aged drinkers unfortunately damage their livers because you know they, they go for a slightly larger glass than what's typical yeah uh, seven don't smoke um eight communicate with your partner about scheduling sex okay you know, if it's important to you do it it's certainly important yeah. to your penis to get an erection but you don't have to have sex to get an erection but actually, no. if it's important for you, sex is often really important for couples bonding. So communicate yes. with your partner. Ask what sort of stuff you want. Remember, after the menopause, this, or, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you're sexual, um, your, if you, um, if after the menopause, your partner's skin texture, uh, sensation may, their skin sensation may change. So you okay. touching them on their arm or their back of their knee or the back of their neck may not be as exciting as it used to be, or it might be too sensitive. Yeah. So wow. you've got to keep okay. checking in about because you know, our, yeah. our, our, our bodies are landscapes and they, they evolve and they also need mm -hmm. to be reassessed over time. So checking in, is this still fun? You know, do you want to have sex yeah. a different way? Is it more fun if we do it a different way? If you've had certain pelvic operations for women, for example, it may be that penetration can be too deep and it can, that can be uncomfortable. So there are sex yeah. aids that can sort of reduce the depth of penetration. Um, as, as women go through the menopause, they can often get drier um, and that can be more painful. Okay. So just be being aware of lubricant use that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's just being aware of going, look, it's not just sticking it in. There is more yeah. to sex than that. Uh, nine, I would really recommend you seeing your GP if you have a health concern. Now, if it's, a, right, okay. if it's something short and it goes away, fine. You know, if you had a erectile yeah. problem and it lasted three or four weeks whilst you were doing, you, know, you, you were changing job, that's normal. Yeah. You, know, you don't need to see someone for that. If, however, yeah. you've got a problem, you know, you've lost your focus at work, you've not had any sexual desire, and you're not having your nighttime erections, and that's been the case for three to six months, right? that's pretty consistent. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and think about that. And then finally, please do not take anabolic steroids or testosterone um, without medical advice. I mean, medical advice, yeah. they're never going to give you anabolic steroids anyway. Um, <laughs> but if you are receiving testosterone therapy, because it, it, it makes you infertile, Testosterone right. in up to two thirds of cases will make you infertile on the treatment and up to one third of cases are permanently infertile. So, you know, okay. I, and we've got lots of 19, you know, we've got case studies from like 18 to 25 year olds in particular that have been picking mm -hmm. stuff up on the gray market from gyms. Wow. And they are using all this testosterone because, you know, they're seeing all you know, the Henry Cavill's of the world. You know, they're seeing all these mm -hmm. men with really big buff bodies and they're going, well, yeah. how do I get that body? And actually, um, you know, a lot of the bodies you see on TV are artificially enhanced. You know, they, have, yeah. they, they, they go through boom and bust cycles, which is why you see some um, film stars and they have these like on, on Heat magazine or whatever with bellies and that being flabby and out of shape. And you're like, well, they're just on their bust cycle. 
and then they'll yeah. boost up again. And, and, and yeah. some of those will be taking um, extra medications like anabolic steroids and testosterone to be bulking themselves up. That will cause mm. potentially long-term damage to your skin, to your heart, to your bones, to your muscle, to, you know, to, to your sexual function. Uh, you know, your testicles will generally shrink in size and you wow. may lose your fertility. So that's a really sort of please don't message from me. Yeah. Yeah, well, if we've got any young guys listening to this, maybe we do, maybe we don't, I don't know, but they should definitely take heed of that advice. And I think point five that you picked up on social connections, I think that's very important. And I think I'm as guilty of this as anybody. And and you're right, you know, we do, as we as we get older, we tend to lose connections with people. Um, but I think, it, you know, if you look at the, the kind of... Um, environment now there there are a lot more clubs and things um popping up that are you know aligned with either certain sports or certain interests and so if you have lost that social connection that's a great way of reconnecting with people who have a common interest absolutely Um, i mean if you're interested in something keep being interested in it you know, if you like yeah. table tennis, or I like table tennis, it's quite a random example. If you like table tennis, yeah. you know, there will be clubs generally in your area that you might be able to get yeah. to. I appreciate some of them might be a schlep to get to, um, but it's yeah. actually maintaining those friendship relationships. You know, I, I know everyone sort of, uh, they don't mock necessarily, but there's sort of a fond mocking of older people playing bowls. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing you don't do when you're young. Do you, you do it? It's like a no. thing that you'll do. But actually, that's so important. You know, it, that, there's not, not just it's it's a relatively physically functional thing that you can probably do um, yeah. at, as you get older, but it's also community-wise really important. Definitely. Yeah, and and it gives you that routine as well, doesn't it? It gives you that purpose. It gives you that reason to, you know, be at a certain place at a certain time. You know having to do certain things or prepare for it and things like that. And you you mentioned back at the beginning of the, of, of the recording around, you know, having, when, when you retire, you know, you kind of lose that, um, that structure. And I think, you know, having working, worked from home for the last five years, you know, it's having that structure is so, so important. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic. So um, before we wrap up then, and what um, didn't I ask you that you feel I should have asked you, uh, which would benefit the listeners? Uh, I'm just going to have a little think if that's all right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think think we've probably covered all of it, really. And I think that the key theme is that if your body is out of shape or if you think it's out of shape, there is the ability to rehabilitate it. Yeah. It's not permanently like that. If you've got a cool. gut, it's not just sitting with your hands hands yeah. wrapped around it, going, "Oh, look, I've got my food." Yeah, baby. exactly. Um, and just uh, yeah. it, it is possible for you to get to a different place. Now, sometimes that's really hard, and particularly if you've had an injury. So, for example, if your knee's been busted playing football or whatever, yeah. or however you did it, that's going to make yeah. it difficult for you to exercise in certain ways. Yeah. Which means it's more difficult to keep your weight off and all of this. And I absolutely understand that. Um, but actually, in some ways, it's even more important for that person then to focus on maintaining their health and maintaining their waistline, maintaining their, their, what's going on into their body and the type yeah. of exercise they do. And then you know, perhaps working with a, an, an occupational ther- sorry, a physical therapist or a yeah. physical, you know, personal trainer is so important trying to go, look, um, what can I do to exercise this body that limits the amount of impact on my, on, on my joint or whatever? Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, so that's it. I think recognizing that you are never past it, um, yeah. and that you want to be your best physical and mental self 
for as long as you possibly can be. And, and there, you know, please do contact your, your GP or, or doctor or, or, or some form of, of healthcare professional, um, you know, maybe mental health, for example, talking therapies, if you need to. You know, we, we, don't, yeah. we don't want you to um, sort of suffer in silence. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great uh, great way to, to end, and that is suffering silence. And um, don't let your ego or your masculinity get in the way. Um, so, I'm sorry, just on that, people... you know, one last thing, just on that last note, go, go. capitalism is values men for their bodies and what they can do. Yeah, and and what what's bad about? I mean, there's lots of things bad about class. And forgive me, I am I am I'm, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I I recognize that can be a problem for some people. But because capitalism values you for your body and your output, it means that often men value themselves on the work they do and their output. What is yeah. not valued is spending time with other people. No. What's not valued? You know, that's not considered a positive thing. Whereas actually, your body requires it. You, your body yeah. requires time for you to switch off and sleep. Your body requires you to spend time with other people in a non-work capacity. So if you can do that, you are doing exactly what your body needs. But it, it doesn't mean you've got to push back against sort of masculine capitalist ideals. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very important. And I'm, I'm glad you raised that point. So um, how can people connect with you? You've got your own podcast, if you want to share what, what that is. We do. I mean, I, I do a podcast called The Pleasure Podcast with uh, my co-host, Naomi Sheldon who's an actor and writer um, and we talk about all things sexual it's kind of basically you had I mean I had rubbish sex education so this is kind yeah. of the sex education I wish I had right so it's basically relationships what happens after you've been together for several years what happens during pregnancy what happens after we're just doing a we've just done a mini series on on what happens uh, you know during and after pregnancy and in motherhood um you right. know, there's lots that we do have a lot of women speakers but actually I think that's really important men listening to women actually is really important because I yeah. think men often don't talk to women about the sex that they want to have. No. And, and that's no, probably their detriment. You know, men could be having a lot better sex and a lot more of it if women were yep. much more engaged in the act and much more involved in what was happening. Um, and this yeah. is just from the people I see. I'm sure lots of your listeners are having amazing, incredible sex lives. Um, but from some of the <laughs> yeah. women we talk to, they're not having incredible sex lives. So there's a mismatch <laughs> somewhere. There's a mismatch somewhere. Definitely. Um, and also, yeah. I've got, um, you know, I've got uh, my Twitter is at the real Dr. Anand, and um, I've got a, um, a clinic uh, at the Centre for Men's Health. If anyone feels Perfect. they want to see me, lovely. Well, I definitely recommend guys can ch- uh, check out the Pleasure Pod. Um, you know, you're going to get some great information and advice, and um, you know, you may may even well be able to improve your own sex life for actually communicating with your partner and finding out exactly what it is that they do and don't want. So thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, It's been a fantastic um, episode and, and great speaking to you. So I look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thanks so much. That's really nice. Nice speaking to you. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.